Welcome to Cryptic Chronicles, Episode 2. Today on the show, we're going to talk about dreams, a subject I find very interesting. From modern science and its say on the subject, to the totally weird and bizarre. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night, horrified that you were unable to move? Have you ever woken up screaming, astonished to see you're standing up far from your bed? Or have you ever had a dream so profound, its memory has stayed with you vividly, just like it happened yesterday? Is it possible for scientists to tell what someone is dreaming about simply by monitoring the electrical pulses inside someone's brain as they sleep? Do you even remember your dreams? Well, we got a lot to talk about, so let's get into it, yeah? This is Cryptic Chronicles, Episode 2. our brains are more active during some stages of sleep than when awake, or one-third of your life is spent sleeping, and at the age of 60 years old, that's 20 years spent sleeping. And did you know that people will die more quickly from lack of sleep than lack of food? Most people don't even remember their dreams, maybe slivers at best for the majority of people, or once in a while they can remember. I think everyone can remember some nightmares they've had over the years. Think about the dreams you had when you were a kid. I know I remember a bunch of dreams from back then. Some people even have dreams that reoccur over and over again over the span of decades. But what is a dream? A series of images, emotions, and crazy nonsensical narratives we have no control over? Why do we have nightmares? And how is it that some people claim to not even have dreams at all? Why throughout all history of humanity do people put profound meaning behind them and claim to have discovered amazingly instrumental things that shape the future of the civilized world? According to Aristotle, the famous Greek mind from the classical age, while people are awake, they're easily able to distinguish the external world from imagination. But during sleep, this ability goes away completely making what happens in dreams fully real while inside them. The people, the events, the situations, the horror, it's all just as real as waking life. What's real is merely a matter of perception without any objectivity. But where Aristotle thought dreams were not of the gods, simply the human mind and imagination, many ancient cultures thought that dreams were a connection with the divine, such as in Egypt. The ancient Egyptians thought that dreams were directly touched by the gods, and interpreting those dreams played a huge part in the daily lives of their culture. Their true eyes opening once they closed their real ones and started dreaming. The even older civilization of Sumeria, in Mesopotamia, modern day the Near East, it was thought dreams were sent by the gods as well, though they thought nightmares came from demons. You had to be of the ruling class in order for your dreams to be touched by the gods. It was the only way other than being a priest to directly talk to them. So if you were common-born, I guess, uh, tough luck. 
The Mayans had a special class in their culture called the Daykeepers, whose sole role in society was to interpret dreams, believing them to be a metaphor of what's to come, but in reverse, making the act of dream interpretation to the ancient Mayans pretty much art. Though the dreams could just be literal too at the same time, so it could get kind of confusing. But the Daykeepers possessed a special gift from the gods, enabling them to connect all the dots no one else could see. The Chinese considered the soul to actually leave the body while asleep, going to the underworld where dreams were generated by the very soul itself. And the Chinese are not alone in that belief. Many cultures across the globe throughout history have believed the soul leaves the body when sleeping, only declining in modern-day industrialized societies, to the point most people say they don't even have dreams. Some say this is because modern civilization has turned people's attentions toward outer stimuli, instead of inward. Some say it's because we have advanced beyond superstition. It's very debatable why dreams are considered not important in our modern-day civilization, even though research has proved dreaming helps you learn and solve problems. Reoccurring dreams can relate to something we need to understand about ourselves and the world around us. Even blind people who were born able to see still have vivid dreams as if they could see with their eyes. And people who were born blind don't see anything at all. But they still dream, and their dreams are just as intense. They just involve all the other senses in a heightened state. Men can have as many as five erections per night, and they can last 20 to 30 minutes each. And the average person has four to six dreams a night, though they're usually forgotten within 10 minutes of waking up. Modern science has a decent amount to say on the subject, but as usual... Science doesn't have all the answers. Carl Jung, who considered Sigmund Freud a mentor, is pretty much considered the most prominent of the idea of modern dream theorists. And one of the earliest questions on the subject was, why did you have the dream that you did in the first place? Speculating, Carl Jung thought it was from the subconscious, somehow helping the waking mind deal with responsibilities, stress, fears, troubles, worries, and being overwhelmed by that person's day-to-day -day life. Using the scientific method, modern science can't prove or disprove Freud and Jung's theories, or any of the ideas of the subconscious mind's connections to your dreams. But advances in technology can give us a peek of the where and the when of your dreams. Which doesn't make sense, but hear me out. There's modern medical machines that can capture resonance images of the brain during sleep that show spikes of heat in the area of the brain wired for fear and emotion. The part of your brain that has logical thought and the ability to rationally analyze is completely dormant in REM, dream sleep. Which is why if some person in your dream has the head of a frog, you don't freak out or think how strange a frog-headed person walking around talking to people is. You just go with it. You think. There's old Froghead. Everything's normal here. Nothing to worry about. Science knows dream sleep, or REM cycle, which stands for rapid eye movement, usually happens around the 90-minute mark after you doze off. But that's just the first REM cycle. You switch out from REM to three different non-dreaming sleep cycles, back to REM again around six times if you get a good night's sleep. The later the REM cycle in a night's sleep, the easier the dream is to remember when you wake up. Science knows as a fact 
If the part of your brain called the amygdala lights up during sleep, that person is almost 100% probably dreaming. The amygdala is the part of your brain that processes fear, survival instincts, memory, and is basically the warning system for your brain, such as signaling to you if food is near and you're hungry, possible sexual partners popping up on your radar, spotting potential or dangerous rivals, given the instinctual urge to act if you or others' children are in danger or hurt, etc. The amygdala instantaneously reacts to any presence of danger, and this part of your brain is the part in charge when you're dreaming. So that's the where and the when of your dreams, but the what of your dreams is more elusive to modern science. In elaborate tests of sleepers, scientists have monitored subjects' brains, then woke up the test subjects during each REM cycle, questioning them on what they saw and what happened while dreaming, and then comparing the dream activities to the active parts of the monitored brain during the REM cycle. Then the scientists showed pictures of what the dreamers said they saw in their dream while still being monitored for brain activity. The test subjects' brains responded to the images in exactly the same way while awake as they did during sleep with no difference whatsoever. Which, if you think about it, is kinda nuts. It proved what they saw dreaming was just as real to the brain as if it was everyday life in the waking world, the brain making no distinction between fake and real, which is probably why nightmares can be so horrible. But that's not all. The scientists again began a brain monitoring experiment on the same test subjects and based off previous research, could match up monitored brain signals from the former test with the images, and predict with 60% accuracy exactly what the test subjects were seeing in their dreams. Which is freaking amazing, and insanely clever. The scientists could actually see and predict what those test subjects were dreaming about. For the first time in history, allowing people to actually see into the minds of dreamers. But those experiments were in a closed and controlled environment, down to every detail to the point of the diet or the test subject's reputation for honesty to a lot of other stuff. We're all tightly in the grip of the scientists performing the studies, which means the scientists' data is not universal by any means. To replicate the findings, each person to do the experiments again would have to be under the same strictness and documented monitoring of brain activity before being able to have a 60% accuracy at the subject's dream prediction through the close inspection of MRI and EEG brain monitoring technology. The experiment was, and still is, incredibly impressive. (laughs) It's like an artist painting a masterpiece by being directed on what to paint through somebody grunting. Still, though, Others in the scientific community have been skeptical and questioned the experiment's results because the data was based off of the word of mouth of the test subjects. Now, there's no reason to believe that the test subjects would lie, deceive, over-elaborate, and embellish what they saw or did in their dreams. But it does still put a blemish on the validity of the experiment's results because of the inherent flawed nature of humans and the malleability of memory. And the scientists who have been skeptical on the experiment's results really aren't pointing fingers either when it comes to scientific experiments that the data requires information from common people 
There always has to be a sliver of doubt, despite the seemingly objective findings, simply because of the knowledge known of humans and their ability to be subtly influenced in ways they don't even know that they are. That seems fair to me. And in the scientific community, those doubts are an afterthought at best, because what those scientists did was awesome and set the bar for further dream research. Till this day, there isn't a solid scientific consensus on the why we dream. It's still just theories and speculation in the scientific community. Some scientific theories are the dreamers acting out what the person didn't or couldn't do during their recent experiences of day-to-day life, manifesting emotions based off of all the factors concerning those didn't and couldn't things in elaborate dream narratives, and all things in those dreams a metaphorically or literal representation of all the emotions, people, and situations concerning and relevant to that person. Or the subconscious mind is training you for waking life in some way that only makes sense to the subconscious. Studies have proven people can get more proficient in daily life at something they dream about often. So, the dreams we have could be a training ground to better our chances at survival and success when we're awake. This theory states even nightmares and anxiety dreams are beneficial to our survival and further journey through life. Dreams a sort of computer defragmentation, but for our brains. Storing unnecessary information and keeping relevant information fresh in our memories. And there's always the theory it's just your imagination doing whatever. With no order, just chaos, and going with the flow of whatever pops into your head for whatever reason. So, yeah. The why part of dreaming is the most challenging part of modern scientific study. And it's still a mystery. But it's proven we need to dream, because there have been experiments of depriving REM sleep from test subjects. And it's not pretty. Having side effects of immense fatigue, daytime sleepiness, clumsiness, weight loss, weight gain, adverse cognitive function, hallucination, depression, anxiety, paranoia, mania, psychotic behavior, and even possible death. Dreaming is just a basic human need, like water and food. I became interested in this subject a couple years back. I don't remember the exact reason, but it led me to read a stack of books that go at least up to my knee on dreaming. During this time, I started a dream journal, and the first date logged is January 1st, 2015. So, it hasn't been that long. I kept a dream journal before that too when I was younger, maybe a couple times, but it never lasted more than a month at most. This one, however, has been going steady for almost three years. Today, the journal is two-thirds full of the scribblings of insane craziness. (laughs) I've read over my entries many times, seeing patterns and consistent themes over the course of my dream life. I found keeping a dream journal to be a really great way at getting to know yourself and what goes on beneath the surface, since during your waking life, Ego has a way of avoiding or filtering out stuff it doesn't want to see. And not only that, the journal has really, really greatly increased my dream recall in basically all ways, making my dreams way more vivid. Back to how vivid they used to be when I was a kid. Want to hear me read a passage from my dream journal? 
Oh, come on, you know you want to hear this craziness. <clears throat> this was logged February 11th, 2015. And I quote, There was a giant fort or vehicle thing that was sentient. I stacked up all kinds of bombs on it. And there was collateral damage. Everything went dark. And shifted into an environment exactly like the movie Pitch Black. Everyone died but Vin Diesel and I. John Malkovich was there. Slowly killed through a thousand cuts by the creatures. Vin Diesel and I survived by hiding under a blanket. End quote. Yeah, that was an awesome dream. But they're all crazy weird or even weirder throughout my dream journal. I noticed I dream a lot about people long gone or out of my life. By even years or decades. I noticed I dream about places from the past I can't go back to. Like my Nana's house from being a kid and my childhood home I grew up in. Friends, current, long gone, or even turned to enemies in the past. I have a consistent theme of being on vacation with my family. Camping, but bizarro world, basically. And a lot of times, family members who aren't from my immediate family make a cameo, such as my uncle. Another theme is my mom driving or transporting me and others somewhere, sometimes through deadly danger. I have themes of medieval battles and warfare, sometimes Viking-themed, which is cool, but not always. And sometimes I even die in these violence-themed war dreams. My least favorite theme is being wrongly accused of something and everyone being against me, but I'm unable to convince anyone of my innocence. Or, the most troubling theme I have is that of being horribly betrayed by someone I love and trust, like my mom selling me into slavery. I have a lot of other themes as well, but the point of themes is that themes happen again and again, always different, but somehow always the same. A lot of times, even interwoven with one another. But then again, I also have a lot of dreams with no relationship to any of my themes whatsoever. They're just random and nuts. It's pretty awesome having a dream journal. Not only has it taught me about my inner workings, but it's also given me amazing dream recall. The dream's vividly real sometimes. I highly recommend it. Not to mention a dream journal can really help with lucid dreaming which is basically becoming a demigod and the master and architect of your own dreams. But we'll get into lucid dreaming in another episode, I promise. And then there's always daydreaming, an interesting view of the mind when it's engaged or idle. Daydreaming is a dream most people can fully recall. There's consciousness researchers who wonder if daydreaming is a resting state for the mind. And one of the main questions concerning that is, can your brain dream while you're awake? During a daydream, the brain unconsciously works on solutions, but with much more creative power behind it. As people get older, they daydream less. It's much more prevalent in young people, but it's not always diminished by age. People who constantly flex their imagination and visualization skills tend to keep their daydreaming potency, but that's a minority. Daydreaming is a disassociation with your immediate surroundings, 
making everything else blurry. When interrupted from a daydream, the person can sometimes jump as if startled. The daydreamer zones out, only focused on their daydream that comes to pass in their mind's eye. Daydreams have an aspect more entrenched with the waking world. The amygdala is not fully in control like REM sleep, which are far more bizarre and otherworldly. During daydreams, the rational part of the brain is not turned off like regular dreams. It's responsible for the best creations by artists, composers, novelists, filmmakers, or any creative people's professions. Daydreams can be bad, though, too, as much as they can be positive. Daydreams being the cause of great anxiety and mental stress as well. And since the mind repeats what it's used to, this negative daydreaming can turn into habit, which leads to worry, then to depression and other bad stuff. The average adult daydreams 70 to 100 minutes a day, so it's best to be mindful of daydreams and not allow negative ones to play on repeat. But for the most part, daydreaming is one of humankind's greatest pastimes. It's also in dreams we come to terms with our greatest fears, through nightmares. Recent research says the darker side of dreams is just as useful as normal dreaming, most of the time. In the book Nightmares, How to Make Sense of Your Darkest Dreams, author Dr. Alex Lukman says nightmares can actually be good for your health. He claims it's how our unconscious mind can get our conscious waking attention, saying these dark dreams are the best way to relieve inner conflict that requires resolution to our well-being. And harmful problems can be so rooted in our psyche. Without nightmares, we might not consciously know about them at all. Which, according to the book, people who suffer lots of consistent nightmares are the ones who really need to take a step back and look in a mirror. Then deal with their problems and issues head on. Other researchers have proposed that bad dreams are the psyche performing an emotional release. Which leads to letting go of stress and anxieties. The nightmare turning negative emotion into a memory. In a way, supposedly putting your fears and worries behind you. After traumatic events, many people tend to relive the experience over and over through nightmares. People who suffer from phobias having these same recurring nightmares as well. But no matter how horrifying and suffering-inducing, according to recent research, it's good for you. I'm not one to fully buy into this, but it's definitely half true depending on the context and person. There are thousands of people so haunted by nightmares, it affects their waking life and getting healthy sleep. It's easy to say, just deal with it, face the nightmare, you must change and confront the dream, when that person is not the one suffering from nightmares. Like a PTSD sufferer, it's just not simple to put a finger on it saying, do this and you'll be fine. PTSD being one of the main causes of nightmares according to research, followed by narcolepsy, fever, stress and anxiety, depression, withdrawal from alcohol or heavy alcohol use, sleep apnea, night terrors, drug addiction, and eating a lot before bed. And nightmares can quickly turn into a disorder if too frequent, impairing people's social lives, job, or any other area of their lives which requires proper function. It can literally change a person beyond recognition. 
the official medical term simply called nightmare disorder. Bad dreams can really damage physical and mental health, even causing insomnia. While more common in youth, nightmares will never leave you no matter how old you get. And they bring out all the terrible emotions we either suppress or avoid during waking life. In an experiment on the subject with undergraduate students, sufferers of insomnia and nightmares showed the same poor sleep side effects that impair average to normal function through daily life. So, nightmare sufferers showed the same signs of poor quality of sleep as someone with insomnia. A nightmare can happen out of nowhere in any dream because your mind adapts to the environment created in dreams. So, if a person is a negative thinker when they're awake, what could be at first glance be an innocent woods can quickly alter to horror based off the dreamer's consistent negative or positive thoughts inside the dream. The way someone thinks can literally create the nightmare. Nightmares aren't going anywhere. Everyone inevitably has them on occasion. The craziest thing is you can actually have nightmares when awake. And leaving science behind, what does the metaphysical, mystical, or fringe type of material have to say on dreams? When we come back, we'll get weird. From sleep paralysis to precognition in dreams. You're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. Don't go anywhere. Listeners, Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes as well as all popular podcast apps and web hosts. Or please visit us at crypticchroniclespodcast.com for full content. Send us an email. We would love to hear from you. Join us on our social media to keep updated. And thanks for supporting the show. Please leave us a good review on iTunes to help grow the podcast. But most of all, thanks for listening. Welcome back. It's time for the more cryptic side of dreams, in an amalgamation of the more metaphysical and mystical side of the subject. We'll start with dream interpretation. Though some modern-day psychology may be mixed in, it's just a coincidence. The rest of the episode, we're going to focus on the weird side. And I quote, Our dreams are played out in metaphors, because the reality behind those metaphors can often be overwhelming. End quote. Greg Prescott. There's a lot about dream interpretation out there. When I was young, I totally bought into it, consistently flipping through pages on books on the subject at the local Copperfields. As I got older and learned more, I became less eager to just mindlessly embrace the one-size-fits-all of dream interpretation. And thinking about it now, it seems pretty obvious. There really isn't a one-size-fits-all way to interpret dreams. Not that dreams can't be interpreted. They can, but only by the person who dreamed them. 
The infinite symbolisms and metaphors that are defining meanings of some people mean absolutely nothing to others. Like the saying, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, but also sometimes that cigar is just a metaphorical symbol of past trauma your psyche suppressed. But some dream symbols at the same time can represent universal archetypes, though there aren't too many. For example, dreams of your teeth falling out represent anxiety, insecurity, or foreboding in your life. So, dream interpretation is much more intricate than when I thought when I was young. And it can take years upon years, if not most of a lifetime, to become truly proficient at it. Each individual dreamer really the only person who can put their own unique puzzle together. You gotta use symbolism and the intimate knowledge it takes about you that only you truly know. And if you can do that, it's possible to decode the cryptic messages trying to get through in dreams. Two good dream analysis websites are Dream Moods and Glamour Dream Analysis. I'll link them in the show notes. In metaphysical dream analysis, dreams can even tell you desires and emotions concerning things you didn't even know you had in your waking life. Like uh, dreaming of someone opening and closing a long file cabinet really fast, meeting a hidden sexual desire for that person, or sexual tension between the two of you. It's a good way to see under the hood of what kind of engine propels you forward in life. Sometimes dream interpretation can mean straight-up metaphysical occurrences happening in your life, such as spiritual interpretations that can be made as well, like the tales of gods or angels giving a message to the dreamer, even some people claiming to have precognitive dreams about the future, like prophecy. There's tons of chronicles throughout history of people contacted by entities, spirits, and non-corporeal beings entering the dreams of the sleeper. Some accounts with not only life-altering, but world-altering results. And now let's get into precognition in dreams, or dreams that tell the future in some way. It's really believed by many that dreams can be a form of precognition. From either little clues represented in the dream through metaphors and symbolism that have to be put together like a puzzle through dream interpretation, which are either big stuff, little stuff, or life-changing events of the immediate near or distant future. And sometimes the imagery of the precognitive dream is known to be blatantly obvious. Also, tidings of the future could be given by a dreamwalker, which I'll get into in a moment. But it's an entity or spirit of a person who enters a dream to either control its elements or literally just tell the dreamer by verbally communicating the message. More often than not, the glimpses of the future are given through cryptic omens that can repeat throughout the dream cycles of a night. These omens sometimes are seen in waking life, which can be terrifying if someone doesn't remember their dreams. But the subconscious does and throws down a red flag at the waking mind seeing the omen making that person pretty confused. I'm not sure what to think about precognitive dreams, but I do think there is a connection within all humans to the infinite that's blocked somehow, sometimes opened at times when the ego is not in control. And though associated with dream precognition, it's really only in a small way for the dreamwalkers. Dreamwalking is the ability to communicate with people by entering their dreams. 
This metaphysical ability is rarely gifted or earned through training by humans. Most of the time, it's referenced as an ability supernatural entities use, like the angels from the Christian Bible, which is one reference. The famous composer Mozart claimed the themes for his music was given to him in dreams. And there have been many reports of scientists who have made groundbreaking discoveries, saying the information came to them in a dream. Native Americans believe in the power of dream catchers. They hang over the top of the area where they sleep at, basically right above them. The purpose of the dream catcher is to block negative dream influences, while allowing positive influences in, and allowing the spirits of ancestors or helpful spirits of nature to dreamwalk into their dream and guide them with wisdom. The dreamwalker can even influence the narrative of the dream, or mold the environment to their will around the dreamer. The only real limitation to the master dreamwalker is that the person they intend to visit must actively be dreaming in order to enter their dream world. If the person whose dream is entered happens to be a lucid dreamer, or a very conscious and awakened human being, the dreamwalker could be in for a hard time, depending on the intention behind their dreamwalking. The advice, ideas, or messages will be firmly entrenched into the dreamer's subconscious mind by the dreamwalker. So, since most people don't remember their dreams and don't have a second life in the dream world, the influence of the dreamwalker will still stick with the dreamer anyway through the subconscious. Like most things, dreamwalking is not good or evil. It's how it's used and the intention behind it. People who remember their dreams can suspect the visitation by a dreamwalker through a dream's alien nature that's opposite or highly irregular to their normal dream themes. It's easiest for a dreamwalker to enter the dreams of people they know very well and that that person is comfortable with them. There seems to be many rules to the human dreamwalker, not shared by the non-human ones. And those who dreamwalk to an acquaintance, friend, or family member with little to no spiritual growth or awareness will almost certainly find that person in a detached zombie-like state, unable to be communicated with in a normal manner. But somebody with high awareness or a lucid dreamer can actually call dreamwalkers into their dream, which is pretty cool. It seems in order to have any power as a human dreamwalker, you have to have as much focus inwardly as you do outwardly. So people who are very materialistic are pretty much useless at it. The most interesting dreamwalking accounts are those of the dreamwalker not being human. I've read many stories of people who claim the gods of our ancestors have entered their dream and taken it over, such as Odin, Zeus, Ma'at, or any members of any ancient pantheon, really. In some stories, the entity or god revealing past lives and forcing the dreamer to relive the most important or traumatic experiences from their past existences. And there's always the tale of angels dreamwalking into people's dreams, or dead relatives revealing life-changing epiphanies to the dreamer, to even evil entities that attach themselves to the dreamer like a parasite, feeding off the dreamer's fear, leaving the dreamer feeling unrested and tired throughout the rest of their day. Dreamwalking is very anomalous, totally unproven scientifically, 
but a fascinating heritage throughout all of humanity's diverse cultures. Uh, there's, there's many contradicting information on the subject, depending on who's talking about it or what culture that person who's talking about it comes from. But it's pretty universal lore across the world all the way up until the modern day. And leaving the dreamwalking behind, I wanted to mention death and the multiple energy bodies. Nearly all ancient religious or spiritual traditions have considered sleep to be a little death, and a decent preview of what happens after we die. A traditional saying of Native Americans is, and I quote, To die is to walk the path of the dream without returning. End quote. In a way, Saying that to have a close relationship with your dreams is akin to relationship with death. Flipping the normal nature of death perceived by people on its head. And that when we dream, we actually leave our bodies. The belief that people are not a single entity, but a person is an amalgamation of many beings that make up a whole. For example, in many esoteric teachings, there are two other bodies humans have other than the physical. The etheric body and the astral body and both recharge and regenerate during sleep as well. These bodies sometimes expanding out from the physical body during sleep to absorb energy like a flower blooming under the sun. When these two non-physical bodies are tired, side effects are being easily distracted, uncreative, the physical body feeling weak, or being unable to pay attention. And according to these esoteric teachings, during the little death, aka dreaming, human beings can actually transfer their consciousness to these other energy bodies. Not your mind as in brain, FYI, but your consciousness itself. So upon death, like when dreaming, is it possible one of these energy bodies is the soul, and you transfer your consciousness into it as you die? If so, then like the construction of dreams, and during many near-death experience accounts, that person sees what they expect to see based off of their culture. All accounts contradicting each other. So, a Christian sees Jesus, a Buddhist sees Buddha, an atheist sees nothing. The theory being just like you construct your dream world, you construct your afterlife as well. Depending on what belief, or lack thereof, that person subscribes to. But like any dream, there's always a time to awaken. Death and sleep are both inevitable. They are both a rest from labor. There is no cessation of being. Awakening comes afterward. Then you awake to something new. In this sense, the afterlife creation, like a dream, is just a temporary state, as your essence lives on in one of your energy bodies, or soul. This is pretty trippy stuff, sleep and death being two sides of the same coin. And I found the Native American beliefs of death and sleep being similar very interesting. What about night terrors? Waking nightmares? Sleep paralysis? I mean, everyone has nightmares. Some people have reoccurring nightmares all the time. Ones that haunt them for years, if not their whole life. But what's a night terror? Night terrors are a sleep abnormality in the same line as bedwetting and sleepwalking. These three sleep abnormalities usually hereditary, but not always. Night terrors are nightmares on steroids. 
They usually happen to kids between the ages of 3 to 12, most of the time going away during adolescence. In adults, it usually occurs between the ages of 20 and 30 for the most part. Everyone who suffers from night terrors does so in their own unique or inconsistent way, occurring many times in a single night to once a year to days in a row. It varies from person to person in all ways. Night terrors happen during delta sleep, when delta brainwaves fill your brain, which is the deepest and least active brainwaves in humans, associated with no mind because brain activity is nigh on non-existent. It occurs during NREM sleep, a.k.a. non-rapid eye movement, the opposite of REM. So you're not really dreaming at all for the most part during it, and not having any real brain activity. Luckily, night terrors are very rare, occurring in only up to 6% of children. Before rapid eye movement was discovered, in the past, nightmares and night terrors were pretty much indistinguishable from one another. They used to be considered just really bad nightmares, but still nightmares. And having a night terror has the same effect on your body as a panic attack. Heart beating out of the chest, heavy, intense, frantic breathing, sweating buckets and shaking. It's not unknown for people to wake up screaming with their eyes bulging in panic and terror, or thrashing around in their bed moaning and whimpering, fleeing to protect themselves from some horror, a common theme in night terrors. Usually someone or something seeking to hurt, kill, or worse to the night terror sufferer. Sometimes they can even seem to be awake. But they're not. And no attempted communication works. Which can be frightening to the witness of the night terror sufferer. But that's not the worst thing that can happen considering night terror sufferers have been known to physically attack people in their horror. Mercifully, most people with night terror episodes have no recollection of it the next day. But it's chilling to witness. Even more freaky, the sufferer of a night terror can sleepwalk, increasing danger to themselves and others as well. A nightmare fuel for the roommate going to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Actions of intense violence during these encounters are well documented. As well as the accounts of people who do remember their night terrors who have been known to require handfuls of sedatives just to repeat the night terrors to their doctors, suffering permanent mental trauma from what they have experienced. And even worse than night terrors is sleep paralysis, also called waking nightmares. A classic form of sleep paralysis through the ages is the old hag syndrome. Picture this. It's the darkness of the middle of the night. All of a sudden, you wake up, unable to move. Breathing becomes hard, just like you're being choked. Upon opening the eyes, there is a hideous old hag, malformed and equally revolting as she is horrifying but you are unable to move or scream. Her gnarled old fingers grip your neck choking, squeezing tighter and tighter as she sits upon your chest and gazes deep into your eyes, the hag's own eyes bulging with features twisted with malice and hate. But that's just one of many recorded forms of sleep paralysis. There are tons of different ones and they're consistent throughout history. 
Like when you wake up, there's just an invader in the room. Some think this is the source of some alien abduction reports. The evil presence or entity in the room varies from tale to tale. Such as you could be lying there, unable to move, and there is an unknown shadowy man in the room, possibly a robber, but you feel that he has intentions to harm, guaranteed. Sometimes the man remains unseen in the darkness, whispering things. Your mind racing with the thought that at any moment, he could strike. Another common entity during sleep paralysis is a shadow person, pacing around the room staring at your paralyzed body with glowing red eyes. The shadow person, darker than the darkest night, a void of light silhouette in the night. Shadow people are seen not by those suffering sleep paralysis as well, and it's a common thought that they feed off fear. The Hat Man is another common tale during sleep paralysis. Blacker than black, just like the shadow person, but he wears a tiny old fedora or top hat, and sheer malevolence resonates from him. The succubus and incubi are also described by sufferers of sleep paralysis, engaging with their paralyzed victim in sexual vampirism, sucking the life force from the unwilling victim. All the different types of waking nightmares create probably the most intense fear the sufferer has ever felt, with overwhelming helplessness. Each encounter vividly clear in the sufferer's memory for the rest of their life, though there are accounts of it being suppressed only to pop up later. But the most common sleep paralysis waking nightmare is simply an unseen presence in the room, with the paralyzed sufferer as vulnerable as a baby to the coming threat. Unable to move, speak, or scream, but with full function of the eyes. The ability to see, but not move the neck or head, adding to the terror. In any case, it's a doorway to hear, feel, or see things that are not there, but seem completely real. Imagine a ghostly entity pushing on your chest, making it a labor to breathe, but you are unable to even move. Imagine whispers into your ear from the darkness, or something touching you reaching up from under the bed, or a horrific specter staring at you through your window. Sometimes the waking nightmares are themed with one's cultural narrative, like common folklore or legends, as well as from one's strong personal beliefs, such as demonic entities or the abductee who has a strong fear of aliens. No matter what it is, though, the pain, pressure, and suffocation is as real as day. Up to 28% of the population will experience sleep paralysis at least once in their life, or many more times with increased frequency. When somebody goes to sleep, the brain paralyzes the body naturally. Since dreams are so real to the brain, this is so that your body doesn't act out your dreams in your sleep. You can actually trick your brain into putting you into sleep paralysis while you're still awake by not moving. If you'll notice, you'll get phantom itches anywhere on your body. This is your brain testing to see if you're awake or not. If you just don't itch any of the phantom itches or don't move your leg if it feels uncomfortable to get into a more comfortable sleeping spot, Eventually, your brain will paralyze your body. 
You can purposely do this and witness the entire process if you want. It's just going to take some bravery and discipline. So it's a very natural aspect of our bodies and totally normal. Sleep paralysis is theorized to be when one wakes up, but the mind doesn't register it, keeping the body paralyzed. And since the registration of waking up didn't occur, dreams are thought to be able to be created just as if in REM sleep. And not being able to move instantly creates fear because your body is still paralyzed. And since dreams can be influenced by exterior factors and thoughts, it instantly creates a waking nightmare. Many things can cause sleep paralysis, from sleep deprivation, physical exhaustion, to sleep apnea, narcolepsy, alcohol abuse, or nothing at all. It can just happen for no reason in equal regularity among people, or just having bad luck and waking up at the wrong moment. And even creepier, there are those from many cultures, backgrounds, and beliefs that say the encounters are real supernatural attacks from evil entities which is pretty out there but freaky to think about, nonetheless. It seems the more modern science learns about dreams, the more questions it creates. It's safe to say dreaming is a form of defragmenting, similar to a computer's hard drive, saving important stimuli from the day and filing away unnecessary clutter. But there's still a great unknown about dreaming, with little proven in any objective apparent manner, which is why I find the subject so interesting, among other reasons. We're going to come back to this subject many times in future episodes. Like I want to have a whole episode on lucid dreaming down the line a bit, I have a lot to say on that subject. So many people see dreams as the subconscious communicating with us, telling us fears we need to face, or problems in our life that need attention, or even communicating with us feelings, drives, and desire we didn't even know we had with our waking minds. It all hidden behind a screen of symbolism and metaphors, as well as the bizarre random dreams that are merely strange dreams, nothing more. So, if one-third of our lives is spent dreaming, instead of blacking out and waking up, maybe dreams should be given more attention in our society, especially considering the massive amount of time we spend in the dream world. Sigmund Freud said dreams were an emotional safety valve, as they helped individuals to resolve inner conflict. So, it's commonly thought dreams can heal. The brain filters out much throughout a person's day. Otherwise, they'd go insane. And there's a lot that goes on underneath the surface. The subconscious resurfaces the important matters filtered out or unseen by the waking mind through dreams. Such as the subconscious recognizing symptoms of sickness, then giving an individual dreams that inspire them to go see a doctor. It's really massively beneficial to have a healthy dream life, with the ability to outright end much suffering and problems in a person's life. Though analyzation is based off of every individual person's outlook on life, as well as how well they know themselves. I'd like to do an episode on individual cultures' beliefs and views on dreams, as well as their varied dream interpretations and symbols, especially from the Bronze Age and the Classical Age, as well as different dream meanings like flying, 
which is one of my favorite things to do in dreams. Dreams can be as vivid as reality. Time has no meaning as years can pass in a single breath of the dreamer. All is exaggerated and emotions heightened far above waking levels. The impossible is normal and the normal impossible. The whole time the dreamer never questioning it for a moment, completely transfixed by this other world. They can be beautiful to terrifying to anything in between. Humankind's ancient fascination as well as modern mystery. They are dreams. Thanks for joining us for Cryptic Chronicles Episode 2. We hope you enjoyed it. Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes as well as all other popular apps and host sites. Or please visit us at crypticchroniclespodcast.com for full content. I'm your host, Tim Hacker. Thanks for supporting the show. Please leave us a good review on iTunes to help grow the podcast. And most of all, thanks for listening. Bye. Bada bing, bada boom, bada bing, bomb, boom.